Don't give the game away. But before I carry on that story, I want you to get your right hand, give me a wave, turn around and wave at everyone else. Okay, jolly good. Get the thumb and forefinger of your right hand, dig deep into the recess of your pockets, you'll find it in your sock or in your shoe or sandals, and you'll find a little container like this. Okay, get this container, put it in your other hand, your left hand, under the lid, put the lid somewhere safe, and get some of this cream and put it all over your face. Don't forget behind your ears. And then get the lid, put it on nice and tight, and put it back into your pocket, because you have just applied what? Well done, imagination cream. And imagination cream helps you imagine things. So if someone wants to run into this room and shout, there's a gastropod attacking the garden. I wonder what your imagination would think about that. I wonder if you go all green and scream and run out the door in the opposite direction. But you may be forgiven if you do such a thing. But if they were to explain that a gastropod is an invertebrate known as a mollusk, but I wonder if that would explain and alleviate your fears. Probably not. But if they were to say that this gastropod mollusk was only eight centimeters long and about two centimeters high, then you may no longer feel the need to panic. In fact, if they were to say that this gastropod is another name for a mollusk that's called a land snail or a slug, you may fear no fear at all, just a teeny weeny bit of revulsion. Not because you're scared of slugs, but because many people are scared of what slugs can do, not to them, but to their gardens. In fact, many farmers and many gardeners hate the idea of a gastropod attacking their garden, especially if they've got vegetables in their gardens like cabbages. Because gastropods, slugs, are a terror when they get into our gardens. They're a pest. And many farmers and gardeners spend many hours devising ways of getting rid of these little mollusks that attack and devastate their produce. Now, can I slide up, please? That's it. That's it, thank you. Now, Sydney was a slug, and he was a real slime bag. He was always attacking plants and eating them, even if it made the plants go bad and made the farmer mad. He had a friend called Sophie, the snail, and she would plead with him, don't eat and attack the cabbages. You know it makes a farmer mad. Why do you do it? You don't need to. You can eat the grass or other, other plants in the garden, but don't attack the cabbages. You damage them and make them go mad, make them go bad, then no one else can eat them. Why do you always bother me about what I do, complained Sydney. So what if I attack the cabbages? The farmer never knows, and the farmer will never discuss, discover it's me, Sydney the slug, the slug that attacks his cabbages. Why should I worry? So that night, he slivered off and found a nice, juicy cabbage, and he began to munch the leaves. His jaws went up and down, and in no time, a large hole began to appear in the leaf of the cabbage. 
He munched it for a couple of hours until it was covered in very, very large holes. And when finally he was full, he slivered off to find his place to rest underneath the hedge in the garden. Later the following day, the farmer came to look at his cabbages. He got out his watering can and began to water them. And Sidney watched the farmer dispassionately munching a leaf hidden underneath a hedge, which was his favorite, um, favorite hideout amongst the blades of grass. When the farmer came to the cabbage that Sidney be eaten, he put down his watering can and knelt over the vegetable. He then stood up and shook his head. And finally, he reached down with his big hand. He got hold of the cabbage and he threw it on top of the compost because it was no, no longer edible. No one will be able to eat that. There, said Sophie the Snell, who just stood up beside Sydney. I told you the farmer would notice that you've been attacking his cabbages. So what is Sydney? He may know that one of his cabbages has been attacked, but he doesn't know if it's me that's done it, does he? Why should I care? And Sydney curled up on the grass and went to sleep. The following night, Sydney woke up and stretched. He breathed in the cold, fresh air of the night and relished the dampness of the grass. It had been a very warm day in the garden, and the warmth always made Sydney hungry. She slivered over to a cabbage and was just about to tuck into a, greasy, a juicy leaf when he smelt the most delicious smell ever. He looked around to see where the smell was coming from and saw that on the ground near some of the cabbages there were these large ball-like things and they were giving off the most fragrant, beautiful, delicious smell he'd ever smelt in all his life. He slimed over to some of the objects and breathed in the smell deeply. Oh, these smell good enough to eat. I wonder where they came from. But Sidney did not wait for an answer. He just opened his mouth and took one big bite. Boy, he said with his mouth full of it, these brow things, oh, they're delicious. I wonder what they are. So Sidney forgot all about the cabbages that night and just began to eat some of these big, round, beautiful smelling balls. But after a few minutes eating them, he suddenly heard a strange sound. It was a kind of gurgling sound and a glooping sound and a, and a bubbling sound and suddenly realized his tummy was making the most strange noises. And then he began to notice that the noise, the noise in his stomach began to move up his body and he began to feel, in fact, not very well at all. He began to feel decidedly off color. He began to go the green color of cabbages. He began to feel very, very bad at all. When, when Sarah, the um, snail came up to him, she said, Sydney, you look awful. What's happened to you? He says, I've got no idea. He says, I've just eaten these balls that are sitting around the cabbages. They look and they taste so delicious. But now I feel so terrible. Of course you feel terrible, said Sarah. Sophie, sorry, the snail. Of course you feel terrible. You feel terrible because those balls are pellets. They're put out to kill slugs like you. They're designed to make you ill and to make you die. What? said Sydney. Why would anyone want to make me die? He said, because you're eating the cabbages that the farmer's trying to grow, said, said, said Sophie. I get very confused between Sophie and Sarah today. Said Sophie. Says, you've got to stop eating the cabbages. The farmer knows you're eating the cabbages. But Sydney says, he may know a slug is eating the cabbages. He doesn't know it's me that's eating the cabbages. He will never find out it's me because I'm too crafty for the farmer. And Sydney crept off into the bushes underneath the hedge 
and he fell to sleep, fell asleep. In fact, he couldn't eat for two whole days because he felt so bad. But on the third day, he began to feel a lot better. And when slugs feel better, they begin to feel hungry. So that night, as the, as the sun went down and the stars came out, Sidney again slivered out from underneath the hedge. And this time, he was so hungry, he began to eat cabbage after cabbage after cabbage. He went all over the cabbage patch, having a munch here and a munch there and a munch to somewhere else, until virtually every cabbage in the patch was covered with little chomp marks made by Sidney the slug. Eventually, when he'd had his fall, he crept back and slivered back over to the hedge and hid behind the hedgerow, knowing that the farmer could never find him because he was just too clever. Well, the following morning, the farmer came out and Sidney hid underneath his leaf and thought, the farmer can never find me. And he watched the farmer and he went up to the first cabbage and saw the holes in the first cabbage and he shook his head and went over to the second cabbage and shook his head again. And then the farmer did something strange. He began to walk in a funny pattern, going from one cabbage to another cabbage to another cabbage. And Sidney thought, what's he doing? He's doing some kind of strange dance all over the cabbage patch. It's so silly. The farmer would never find it's me because I'm so clever. I only come out at night. The farmers, if they wanted to catch slugs, should come out at night when we come out. He's never going to find me in the morning because I'm not there anymore. But still, the farmer did this funny dance. He was looking from one cabbage to another cabbage to another cabbage to another cabbage. And he carried on going all round the patch until eventually he came to the very last cabbage that Sidney the slug had been on. And then he seemed to walk from that cabbage all the way towards where Sidney the slug was underneath the hedge. And he lifted up the side of the hedge and suddenly the big farmer's hands came out and grabbed Sidney the slug and took him away. And as he was being dragged away by the farmer's hand, he, Sidney said, how did he find me? How did he find me, Sophie? He couldn't find me. I was hiding. I'm great at hiding. How could he find me? And Sophie the snail, she said, but you're a slug. You're a slug. You're a slimy little creature. All he did was to follow your slimes. And Sidney, your slimes have found you out. And with that, Sidney was taken out of the garden and Sophie remained in the garden without a slug as her friend. We're going to read the Bible now. A wonderful passage from Psalm 119. Here it says this. David's talking to God. He says, You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are completely familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. 
The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written on your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast for some of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So why was it that Sidney the Slug, that gastropod, that little mollusk, why was he discovered by the farmer? Why was he discovered by the farmer? Go on, yes. Because of his slimes. We all know that snails and slugs leave a slime behind them, don't they? He left a trail. It was easy for the farmer or the gardener to follow the trail to find exactly not just where the slug has been, but where the slug has gone to. You know, the Bible says to us, our sins will find us out. You know, we can never hide what we do from God. We should not even try to. We can never hide what we do from God. Why? Because God is everywhere. That psalm, Psalm 139, tells us that God is everywhere. You know, that's a wonderful thing. It means that wherever we go, God is going to be there with us. When he went on holiday, guess what? God was there. He was on the beach. He was on the moor. He was in the forest. He was on the hill. Wherever you went on holiday, God was there. And that's great, isn't it? Because you know that you're never alone when you know God. He's always there. Or when you can always speak to him in prayer, it's great. But then, when you think about it, you suddenly realize that when you were doing something perhaps you shouldn't have been doing, in that place where you thought no one else could see, guess what? Where was God? Beside you. He was there. We can never hide from God. You know when you're talking and the teacher says, don't talk, and you think the teacher can't see because you're behind the book, <laughs> guess where God is? He's right there. He's there, that's right. And when you're saying that horrible thing about someone at school, that person you don't like, and you're spreading that horrible rumor about them, no one can see you because you're behind the cupboard or something, in a quiet place in the classroom, and you're speaking to your friend and saying how horrible that person is. Do you know where God is? Right beside you. He's there as well. And it gets even better because the Bible says that God knows the words on our tongue before we even say them. That means when you're thinking that bad thing about that person, when you're thinking that naughty thing that you want to say to mum and dad because they've upset you, and you're thinking them in here, where's God? He's in there as well. He knows the words and the thoughts you're having. You know, we can't hide from God. God understands. And our slims, our, si uh, our, slims, our, our slimes will find us out. Our slimes will find us out. The psalmist says, where can I go to escape from you? Where can I get away from your presence? In Jeremiah, the prophet says, 
Who can hide in secret places? Sorry, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? That's God, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is saying we can't hide from him. Our slimes will find us out. God always sees, he hears, and he knows. The Bible describes this because God is everywhere, omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. God is everywhere. We cannot escape him. That's something wonderful, but it's also something scary. It means we mustn't simply go around and think we can escape God because we can't. God is there as well. We can't hide from God. And, and also because God is all seeing. The Bible tells us that. Psalm 1, 3, Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know everything I do. From far away, you understand all my thoughts. Imagine that. God understands all your thoughts and all my thoughts and all everyone's thoughts. He understands. We cannot hide from God. He knows and understands. Even before I speak, you already know what I will say. And that means, boys and girls, and everyone else, we need to be careful the way we live our lives because we can't hide from God. We can hide from other people. We can hide from our parents. We can hide from other people that we know, but we can never hide our true intentions or our true thoughts from God. Numbers 32, verse 23. You may be sure that your sin will find you out, just like Sidney's slimes found him out. Our sins will find us out. And so don't hide from God. Come to God, because we're told in the Bible, even though God knows everything about you, he still loves you. That's how great our God is. How loving he is. Do you know, when you're older, it won't concern you boys and girls. It concerns some of the older boys and girls and some of the mums and dads. When you first start finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend you know you always put on your best clothes you wash and make yourself smell nice you try and look wonderful for them because you don't really want the other person to see you as you really are do you and as you get older perhaps we do more things to make ourselves look younger because we're scared of how age uh, can make us look not quite not as beautiful as we once were but God already knows how we are we don't have to hide from him in that way because God loves us as we are. Because God loves who we are. That's the wonderful thing about the Bible. God is the original superhero. He has x-ray vision. He can see right into your minds and right into your hearts. But while God is a great superhero, he's a loving God. He's not like Clint Eastwood, who's the enforcer. He's not there to blow us away and to make us a bad, give us a bad day. God is there to bless us. He's there because he loves us, because God is love. We cannot hide from God, and we shouldn't want to hide from God, because our God is a loving God. He loves us. The Bible tells us this, but God did not send his world into the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then 1 John 4.16 tells us the very essence of God is love. God is love. So, boys and girls, mums and dads, and everyone else in this congregation, let's not try and hide from God. Because God can see. God knows. But God loves. Let's come to the presence of God. 
Let's ask God to forgive us for the wrongs we do. Let's ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit and to make us be people that reflect his love and his glory in this world. Let's put our hands together, make prayer rockets, and let's speak to God in prayer. Father God, you know us. You see into us. You know our thoughts. You know our intentions. You know our hearts. You know our actions. Help us not to hide from you. But help us, Lord, to invite you into our lives to change us. Forgive us for the wrongs we've done. Make us better people. And by your presence, fill us with your love. And may that love through us spread into this world in which we live. Lord Jesus, fill us with you. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Five, four, three, two, one. Blast off! And blast off back to your seats. And so we're going to close together by singing a lovely hymn by Stuart Townsend, all about Psalm 139, woven together, 1635. Let's start again from Lord. Lord, you have searched me, you know me well. Nothing is hidden from you. Even before there's a word on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How great is the depth of your love. I 
know that you've numbered the sum of my days I'll rest in your perfect wisdom It's all too wonderful for me to know It's all too marvelous for me to attain the care you show to those who love your name it's all too wonderful it's all too wonderful for me in the service there will be tea and coffee next door in the church hall and also if you want prayer today after the service to deal with any of the situations that have arisen during the service there will be a couple of people at the front of the church sitting there please sit beside them and you can pray with them and tell them what you want prayer for let's pray Father go with us now by your Holy Spirit may we walk with you this week may we enjoy your presence day by day and may we invite you into more of our lives and know your peace your presence and your power. Lord Jesus, make it so. Amen.